Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. On our, we're on our second theme of the year, Focus 2022. We're looking at blending to belong. And one of the reasons that we decided to really land on three things was I got a lot of people asking me, just like, what are we focusing on this year? And in one sense, our focus never changes. We always focus on being the church. We always focus on the gospel. But I felt a need to just say, let's figure out what the next step is for us as a church. Where do we, what do we need? What do we need? Um, and so last year we read through the Bible, and this year we decided to pray through smaller sections of Scripture. But we also thought it would be helpful to focus on this theme of blending to belong, blending to belong. And one of the reasons is a lot of people struggle with feeling lonely. We belong to the body of Christ, and yet sometimes our felt experience of that is lower than we'd like. Like, we feel like we're here, but we're not really connected. We're part of this, and yet we feel like we might not belong. And so today we're going to be looking at loneliness and this theme of blending to belong. Now, usually when we, when we have a sermon, we start with a scripture passage, and we read it, and we pull out what God is trying to say to us from the passage. Today's a little different. We're actually going to start with a topic and go to the Bible and kind of jump around the different parts of the Bible and see what God has to say about this topic of loneliness and belonging. So in light of that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in and hear from God's Word. Lord Jesus, we just pray for your mercy. We pray for your mercy in light of the weather. We pray for your mercy in light of people in our church who are home with COVID. And we just ask for your grace on our lives. We come again needing refreshment from you. We are spiritually parched people. We, are, we struggle. Uh, we have challenges in our life. And every one of us at times has experienced loneliness. And so we pray today that you would give us perspective from your word, and all God's people said, amen. I want to start off by telling you about a blind date gone wrong. This is a story in CNN that came out on a a CNN news site written by Nectar Gan, and the headline says, Chinese woman stuck in blind date's house by sudden COVID lockdown. Stick with me, listen to this. It was supposed to be a quick get-to-know-you, but a snap COVID lockdown forced a Chinese woman to stay with her blind date at his house for days on end. The 30-year-old woman went to meet her blind date for a home-cooked meal on January 6th in her hometown. My family introduced me to 10 matches, she said in a video on social media. The fifth date wanted to show off his cooking skills and invited me over to his house for dinner. Just when she was about to go home after the meal, she found out the whole neighborhood had gone into a swift lockdown. They do that in China. When there's COVID outbreaks, no one can leave their house. Unable to leave, she was stuck at her date's house for days. She posted videos of her unexpected co-living experience on social media, showing her date cooking meals for her, sweeping the floor, and working on his laptop. The woman had returned to her hometown recently ahead of the Lunar New Year and spent a week meeting potential suitors her family had set up for her. Now listen to this part. This part cracks me up. 
During quarantine, she said, I feel that apart from him being reticent like a wooden mannequin, everything else about him is pretty good. He's a wooden mannequin, but everything else about him is pretty good. He cooks, he cleans the house, and he works. Although his cooking isn't very good, he's still willing to spend time in the kitchen, and I think that's great. In the woman's videos, her date is seen serving stir-fry meals such as tomatoes and scrambled eggs, a popular dish in China. Then she says, right now I'm still at the man's house. (laughs) He's an inarticulate honest person, and he doesn't talk much, as of Thursday, it is unclear whether she is still living at her date's house. I I just love the description, you know. I mean, some of you, some of you would go, someone who cleans and their cooking is okay and they don't talk, sign me up. That sounds like a good partner. But if you kind of read between the lines, she's not really saying that. She's like, His cooking is okay, and he cleans, and he's nice, but he's like a wooden mannequin. She wants out. (laughs) She is ready to be out of this lockdown. Uh, You can almost hear her saying, like, it's fine. I went over to this guy's house for a date, and I got locked down here, and he doesn't talk at all, but it's fine. It's fine. I'll be fine. You can tell that she feels like she doesn't belong there, and she probably feels alone. And I think many of us can relate to that feeling feeling like we don't belong somewhere and we feel alone. Even though she's with somebody else, even though we're with other people, at times we feel like we don't belong and like we're alone. There was a study that was done before the pandemic and it said that 10 million people in the United States, 10 million people experience nearly unbearable loneliness. 10 million people. Another study found that 50% of people experience loneliness weekly. Half, that's that's half of us experience loneliness at least weekly. Now, the good news is that means that you're not alone in feeling alone. A lot of people feel lonely and experience loneliness. We have all sorts of loneliness in our culture. You can have sort of cultural loneliness where you're used to a certain way of doing things and what's normal, but you're around a lot of people who don't do it that way and you feel lonely even though you're around people. You can have a life stage loneliness where you move into a different stage of life and you just feel lonely because your relationships have changed. I remember when I worked in uh, nursing homes in Nashville and just would watch people transition into the nursing home and they would wait all day for their family to come visit for that half an hour and they just experience loneliness. We often talk about singleness being a place of aloneness at least, but you know what? Marriage and even cohabitation can produce feelings of loneliness. I know a lot of people in our, in our culture right now would be call themselves spiritual nomads, and they're experiencing loneliness. They, they're not sure they want to be part of what the church is about, but they want to follow Jesus, and that disconnect makes them feel lonely. We're having a lot of conversations about sexuality in our culture, and some people feel lonely in that. And I think in many ways during the pandemic, all of us have experienced some form of loneliness that we weren't expecting, just like the woman who got locked down on her blind date. But many people, many of us, feel alone and feel like we don't belong. 
The past couple weeks, I've been reading a book by Susan Metz called The Loneliness Epidemic. The Loneliness Epidemic, Why So Many of Us Feel Alone and How Leaders Can Respond. Susan Metz compares the difference between solitude and loneliness. Solitude is more of a proactive, I'm just by myself, whereas a loneliness is I'm by myself and I don't really want to be by myself. She defines loneliness as the distress someone feels when their social connections don't meet their need for emotional intimacy. I find that to be a helpful definition. Loneliness is the distress someone feels when their social connections don't meet their need for emotional intimacy. You know, I wish that by talking about loneliness this morning, we could just fix it. Like we could all just take a pill and it would be over with and you would never experience loneliness the rest of your life. But I'm not going to make any promises like that. What I do want to do today is look at two simple truths from Scripture that will give us perspective as we experience loneliness. And that might help reframe it for us. And those simple truths are this. God created you to belong, and God is calling you to blend. God created you to belong, and God is calling you to blend. First of all, let's look at God created you to belong. In Genesis 1, through 27, when God creates the universe and he creates man and woman, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Do you notice in the first two lines, the plural, let us make man in our own image? A lot of times we think about God as some sort of distant, non-relational being. But here in the very beginning of the Bible, God is describing himself as us, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In other words, God is not alone. God is a three-in-one God, three persons, one God. But even as God, he is not some individual being. God is three persons, one God. God is not alone. The Father is in perfect relationship with the Son. The Son's in harmony with the Spirit. The Spirit submits to the Father. They're in relationship, and they are not alone. In fact, they belong to each other. Now, they're different from each other. The the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but they belong to one another. They're in harmony with each other. If you think about the most joyous relationship of belonging in the universe, it's the Trinity, the God who is not alone and belongs to each other. And because we're created in his image, it is not good for us to be alone. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Right from the beginning, we're we're told that there is a way that humans are created where they belong together. They belong to one another. And it's not that they can reflect the image of God by themselves, 
but they need each other. Man needs woman, woman needs man. Though they're different, they belong. They belong together. Look how starkly it comes into into view in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be what? Alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. From this scene, God has made Adam, and he has given Adam the opportunity to have partnerships with all these animals. And none of the animals match, right? Animals are not the same as as humans. And so God sees this and says, it's not good for man to be alone. And And then he creates Eve. He creates woman. And when Adam sees Eve in Genesis 2, verse 23 through 25, he he says, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken for man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Do, Do you see the theme of belonging even behind that bonding and one flesh? Both the man and his wife were naked and yet felt no shame. We were created in the image of a God who belongs to each other. We were created to belong to other human beings. We are created relational creatures who are meant to belong. It's not good for us to be alone. Part of human flourishing is that we can't be human by ourselves. We have to do it together. What this means is that loneliness isn't some strange spiritual condition. Part of our loneliness is just what a normal human being feels when they're out of relationship with other human beings. Some people would say, listen, if you're feeling alone, just pray more to Jesus. And if you are feeling alone, I would say, try and build your intimacy with Jesus. But that doesn't solve our loneliness problem. You heard me right. God was in perfect relationship with Adam. God was Adam's best friend. God and Adam talked and walked in the garden. And yet God said it's not good for Adam to be alone. Adam needed someone like him. Adam needed someone that he could belong to and that could belong to him. So when we experience loneliness, the answer isn't just for us to go, let's Let's just pray harder. Because loneliness isn't necessarily a spiritual condition. It is a human condition when we're not around people that we feel are like us or can relate to us. Even Jesus, in the garden, the night that he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying to his Father, we get the sense that Jesus, the perfect God-man, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, wanted human companionship. As he's praying to his father, about to go to the cross, as he's praying, he asks his disciples, pray with me. Like, don't fall asleep, guys. I I need you. Pray with me so that you don't fall into temptation. And then they fall asleep several times. And what does he say to them? Jesus comes to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me one hour? 
we get this sense that even Jesus, as he's praying to his father, experienced loneliness and he wanted relationship with, with other human beings. We were created to belong. And it's not good for us to be alone. And when you start to think about that and you start to look at what God has done for us in the gospel, you realize that God has created a blended family for us to belong to. See, when a lot of people think about the gospel, they think about it way too individually. Jesus saved me, period. Now that's true. But it's not Jesus saved me, period. It's Jesus saved me, comma. Jesus saved me, comma, so that I could be part of God's people. So that I could belong to God, comma, and belong to God's people. See, the problem is we think so individually about our lives, we miss the very way that God has addressed our loneliness. In Romans 12, 4 through 5, Paul writes, Now, as we have many parts in one body, that's the church, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and then here's the belonging, and individually members of one another. In the book of Corinthians, he'll just say it more plainly. He'll say, you belong. But here's what he's trying to say is, you are individuals who belong together. You are different types of a variety of peoples who are one people together. You belong because of what Jesus has done for you. And in the church, we're not called to lose our individualism. We don't lose who we are. We add who we are to the family of God. We were created to belong but we're also called to blend. Now, we talk about God's blended family. Blended is an adjective, right, describing family. But there's also a sense where I really think that should be a verb. Like, we're called to blend together. We're called to proactively mix it up. We're called to proactively engage one another so that we are a family of different types of people from different backgrounds, from different cultural backgrounds, different ages. We are a blended family. We could say that blending is a way to practice our belonging. It's a way to put our belonging into practice. Look how Paul writes about blending in Romans 12. Share with the saints in need. Blend your resources. If you see someone who doesn't have food, give him yours. If you see someone in the church who doesn't have something to wear and you have two shirts, give him one. I love that it's the most basic lesson, right? This is what we teach the kids in preschool. Share. My toy. No, share, right? This is what Paul's saying a blended family does. If we belong to one another, then we actually distribute what we have to each other in order that no one might be in need. And so if there is someone in our church who doesn't have a place to stay, who doesn't have clothes on their back, or doesn't have food on the table, that becomes our problem together. We're called to blend our resources. But then he goes on and he says, pursue hospitality. Pursue hospitality. Now, hospitality has become a word where it's like put on a great show, put on a great party. 
for other people. And that's not really what it means biblically. Biblically, what hospitality is, is showing welcome to a stranger. It's showing hospitality to people that you don't know. It's treating strangers like family. You know what's interesting over the past two years? I I think hospitality has been very challenging for us in the middle of COVID. We always have an excuse not to have someone over. I'm guilty of this. Like, my two excuses are always, I'm tired and COVID. And you can get out anything. You say, I'm tired and COVID. But let's think about this for a minute. In this book, Metz reports that about 40% of Christians have had guests in their home in the last month who are not family. So think, think about that. Four out of 10 Christians monthly invite someone into their home who's not family. Man, that's not that many. Paul is telling us here that part of blending to belong is that we pursue hospitality with each other. We pursue bringing people into our home who who might not have any advantage for us having them over, but we want to to welcome them into into our home. It doesn't say that we perfect hospitality. It says that we pursue hospitality, that we welcome people into our home that we wouldn't welcome if we didn't know Jesus together. And that way we're called to even blend in our homes. Paul goes on in Romans 15 and he says this, Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. Now I love there that he says, welcome one another. If you go into a Bible search engine and you just hit the phrase one another, you'll see all sorts of commands pop up. Pray for one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Practice hospitality with one another. Welcome one another. Back to the idea of individualism, you and I think far too individualistically about practicing the Christian faith. We cannot do it without one another because we are called to serve one another by blending with each other. One of the reasons that we even do things like connect cards is because That's the first step of really getting to know one another. We have events, not just because it's something to do, but we want to give you the opportunity to practice your Christian faith by loving and serving each other. But did you notice that Paul also says, with one mind and one voice? Now, Paul, when he says one voice, he could mean that as a metaphor, like our voices should collectively be sharing who Jesus is. But in other places, he'll talk about singing together. Either way, this is interesting. Do you know that if you want to be connected with your church, one of the keys is singing together? There was a study done called Singing and Social Bonding, and they found that connection among churches increased the more that they sang together. There's something about the endorphins that go off in our brain when we sing together, when we blend our voices together, it increases our sense that we belong to one another. So if you're here and you're like, I want to feel more belonging at this church, raise your voice when we sing. 
Now, I, I get it. Some of you are like, I can't sing like Cody and Gabby and Becky. They're amazing singers, and I can't either. In fact, sometimes when I'm in the front row, I'll double-check this to make sure it's not on because I don't want to kill the worship vibe if for some reason my microphone comes on when we're worshiping. But I still sing because I'm part of this family, and I want my voice to be part of the blended voice that praises our King. Often we struggle to blend, if we're honest. There are barriers to blending. Sometimes it's simply because of our preferences. We meet other people and we say, you know what, I know that that person knows Jesus, but they're just not that, my type of person. And then we withhold blending because they don't meet our preferences. Sometimes people have more of a preference for, for privacy, and so they kind of withhold. They want to stay on the outskirts. They don't want to engage. In fact, if you were to rate yourself, how high would you rate your need for privacy? One being low, ten being high. Now, there's nothing sinful about being a private person, but at the same time, recognize this. The more private you are, the harder it might be for you to blend, the less you might feel like you belong. Sometimes preferences keep us from blending, but sometimes it's our thinking. Do you know that people who are lonely signal to other people that they want distance? Isn't that weird? Like, I'm feeling lonely, but what you pick up is stay away. Stay away. Lonely people tend to mistrust others more readily. Susan Metz goes on to explain that people who are lonely tend to explain relationships in their mind as if they're victims of fate. In other words, I knew that that relationship would go bad. It always does. It always does. And when that happens, lonely people can project hostility towards others. You know what ends up happening, though? A lonely person is in a cycle of a self-fulfilling prophecy. A lonely person projects to other people, stay away, and then the people actually do. But the lonely person wants to be in relationship. That's just something to think about, right? Our own thinking can be destructive. Even though we're lonely and we want relationship, we can actually project out to other people that that's not what we want at all. It reminds me of Naomi in the Bible, Ruth's mother-in-law. After Naomi loses her family, except her daughter-in-law, Naomi, she just is kind of prickly. <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm lonely, and I'm going to convey to everybody else that I'm lonely. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, she answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. Sounds like a fun person to be around, doesn't it? I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? The, the funny thing is that Naomi has this internal thinking going on about God's against her, everyone else is against her, all things are bad, and she's kind of projecting this hostility. But in the whole book, in the book of Ruth, God is actually doing the very opposite for Naomi. Like he's bringing her into a family where she belongs. It's something to think about when we feel lonely. Because oftentimes we're afraid. We're just afraid of other people. We're afraid of being disappointed. We're afraid of conflict. We're afraid of accountability. But every human is going to disappoint. Every person that we meet, conflict will come up at some point. And so often I think we, we focus on like cutting off toxic people, right? Like I, I can't be around those people because they're toxic. But that's not what Jesus did with us. 
If Jesus had cut off toxic people, he would never have come to the the world. In fact, Jesus felt the most belonging he'd ever felt when he was in heaven with the Father and the Spirit. But he left that to come to us. He moved towards loneliness by coming into the world so that we could be saved, so that he could pay for the sins of humanity on the cross. Jesus didn't cut us off. Rather, Jesus blended with us as the God-man so that through salvation we could belong to God. He blended with us so we could belong to God. I love how Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, you, not you and you and you, but you together. You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. What would it look like for you to grab hold of that today? Your loneliness wouldn't go away, but what would happen if you grasp onto the fact that Jesus belongs to God, and you belong to Jesus, and we belong together. I want to ask that you just close your eyes for a moment and take a moment and just reflect. And from what you've learned today as we've looked at the scriptures, take a moment before the Lord just to ask Him how to respond. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.